Awesome, guys. Awesome. Thank you. I love it when we do these patriotic songs. Amen? Well, hey, guys, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, If you're visiting with us for the first time, my name is Jimmy Britt. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I just want to say that it's great to have you. It's great to have all of you guys here today. I hope you had a great Fourth of July weekend. Did you? Everybody had a great one? Um, I'll tell you something. We live in a country that has its, its problems. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, we live in the greatest country on planet Earth today, and I would say the greatest country in the history of nations. And uh, God bless America. Uh, me and Karen and the kids were down at the beach a few days last week, and we were, when we were coming home yesterday, we saw a series of signs. It was, it was signs, just one small sign after the other. Each sign had one word on it, and, and the signs read out eventually over just a short space. We've got to get America back to God. And I think that's true. And while our country has problems, there's nothing that we can't fix without the Lord's help. Um, I saw on Twitter... Uh, actually, it was on Facebook this past week. It was a post that um, Will Smith made. You guys know who Will Smith is, the actor slash rapper, you know, the one who lived with his auntie and his uncle in Bel Air. Uh, this was actually where someone had taken a, a screenshot of his Facebook post. And of course, you know, this is Will Smith writing it, and uh, so it's kind of like a rap poem, so um, as I read this, I'm going to sound like an, a middle-aged, white, old-school rock sort of guy. Will Smith could do this a whole lot cooler than me, but it makes the point. Um, grades are getting low. The teens are getting high. The 12-year-old is pregnant, and her parents wonder why. A first grader is swearing. A third grader has been raped. Just look around you. Isn't the system great? Big question mark. Who isn't faded these days? Ten, teens are sending nude texts. Kids are getting beaten. The teachers see the bruises. No one calls for help. Teens are smoking weed. Young girls are cutting. This isn't what we need. The marks of taunt and yelling. Parents are divorced. The 14-year-old is drinking beer. This can't get any worse. A little girl has killed herself. Nobody seems to care. Another kid has been expelled for a stupid dare. But it needs to change. Our world is officially broken. It's time to take a stand. Your thoughts need to be spoken. And he's right. I mean, we live in a broken world. People are broken. Nations are broken. They can be healed. And God's grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ is what people need. And it's time that the church stand up and say this and live this out to a world that's, that's broken and certainly needs Jesus. Uh, on 4th of July, on Friday, I spent a good bit of time thinking about our country and freedom. You, you realize that the 4th of July is just not another day off. It's not just an opportunity to hang out with friends and family and eat barbecue, right? I mean, it's our nation's birthday. 
And those of us who are, I would say, 35 and older, we learn those things in school. I don't know if they still learn that in school or not. Dig, dig. But I spent some time just thinking about our country and thinking about freedom. And uh, it's hard to think about our country and freedom because we are at war with um, Muslim extremists, I would say, all over the world, but in particular in the Middle East. But it's hard to think about our freedom without thinking about our servicemen and women. And so I, I thought about them, and uh, in, in particular on Friday morning, we were at a parade, and the gentleman who was leading the parade was an Iraqi war veteran. He had lost both legs in the war and one of his arms. And with the other arm he had, he was holding an American flag. And I thought, man, that guy knows something about sacrifice. That guy knows something about paying a price for what you believe in. And not only men and women like him, but veterans from all of our wars. Veterans who have served a post anywhere. And their families, because their families make so many sacrifices as well. They give up a lot. They stand with their soldier. And so it cost them a great deal as well. And, you know, these service men and women who come home, they have wounds, of course, the ones that you can see on the outside, like with the man I mentioned, that soldier, he's missing three of his limbs. And that's on the outside, but so many of these, um, these soldiers have wounds that are on the inside that are not so obvious, like PTSD. And then as I thought about these soldiers, I thought about people in general. You know, I thought, isn't it true that all of us have wounds? Not because we're soldiers. I'm not trying to call those the same thing. But I am saying that as human beings going through life, we get wounded, don't we? I mean, we have hurts and pains. And some of us have hurts that are on the outside where other people can see them. But then... Other hurts are on the inside where they can't be seen, but can be fixed. They can be healed. By God's grace, we can be healed. Today we're going to learn about God's healing grace. So if you have your Bible, open it up or turn it on and go to the book of Acts. Chapter 3, we're going to be looking at the first 11 verses. And uh, if you'll pull out your message notes, which today in your bulletin is just a blank sheet of paper, but there's plenty of room for you to take your own notes. And we'll have uh, some notes that will come up on the screen. Also, the scripture passages are going to be there in case you don't have your Bible with you today. Um, And by the way, if you're here today and you don't have a copy of the Bible for yourself, we'd love to give you one. And so on your way out today, if you'll just go by the information table, on, on this end, there's a stack of Bibles, blue Bibles. You can just walk by, pick one up. You don't have to stop and ask, hey, are these the free Bibles? Just take one. And also, if you're a first-time guest with us today, uh, pick up a copy of our book, Unshakable. Those are also free. And again, you don't have to ask for them. Just go by 
and uh, and get you one. They are free of charge. Okay, everybody ready? We're going to talk about God's healing grace. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Here we go. Peter and John, two of Jesus' apostles, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. See, at this point in the church's history, the, the church, the brand new church, is still meeting in the temple. And so these men who are Christians but still distinctly Jewish, they go to the place of worship that's familiar to them. So they go in for their prayers. As they approach the temple, a man lame from birth or crippled from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from people going into the temple. And the beautiful gate is one of the main entrances that you would um, use going into the temple. It was just on the inside of the eastern gate or the golden gate. So it was very strategic for, uh, for a beggar to be who was literally um, begging or asking for alms as people were going in. It was strategic also because people were going to worship, and so maybe that would make them feel more benevolent. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. I've, I've been to a number of places in the world, and everywhere I've ever been, seen beggars. And I've seen beggars in the temple area today in Jerusalem. And there's an official way that they ask for alms, and usually it's with their head down, and they have a cup, and they do it every day, and it's like a job for them. It's their way of survival. And so they, they ask everyone going in the temple or anyone entering into what area it is where they're begging for money. Peter and John looked at him intently. And I'd like to know what intently means. But it wasn't just a passing glance. They, they stopped and looked at this man, which was probably unusual because most people are used to beggars being around. And even this man, you know, he's a regular fixture around the beautiful gate, and so they're used to just ignoring him. The man's used to being ignored. But now, Peter and John, they stop, and they look at him intently. Peter said, look at us. And there's an exclamation point there. Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have which is a way of saying, I'm going to give you something greater than silver and gold. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now remember, this man has been lame. He's been crippled since birth. And so he's never stretched his legs. He's never exercised them at all. I mean, the bones in there would be very weak, and there's no muscular mass or, or tissue, just the very basics. But they're not strong enough to walk. So, I mean, this is quite a miracle. I mean, everything at once is being healed inside of this man. And as he did, as Peter helped him up, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up 
And I would think he's just a little bit unsteady. But he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And Luke gives an exclamation point as he's writing this. It's like, he's saying, this man stood up and walked. Peter said, stand up and walk. He reached down, took this man by the hand, and he really did stand up and walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. You know, the problem that many of us have in life is how we see ourselves. It's our self-image. Some of us see ourselves as failures and outcasts, even worthless. And maybe that's how you feel about your own life. Maybe you're here today and, and you feel like you don't have any value. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you're damaged goods. Maybe you feel like you're a failure. And maybe you feel like you're a failure because... When the economy started going bad a few years, you, you decided to take that little nest egg that you were working on and, uh, and um, start a new business. And you thought that that would be your way through the recession and a brand new life for you and your family, but it didn't work out. It didn't work out the way you thought or the way that you hoped it would. And so because that business was a failure and you failed financially, now you feel like a failure. Or maybe you're here today and you feel like a failure because you haven't been a very good parent. Maybe you feel like you even blew it with your kids, like you just let them down and, and so as a parent you feel like a failure. Uh, it, it could be that you're divorced and because your marriage failed, now you feel like a failure. Or it could be that you're here and you feel like you're damaged because you've been victimized or you've been abused. Well, I don't know everything that's gone into creating your self-image, but today I'm going to give you some truths from the Bible. They're not my truths. They're God's truths. They're truths from the Bible that if you will believe them and embrace them, they'll change your life. I, I'm, I want to change the way you see yourself because I want to help you see how God sees you. You need to be healed. You feel damaged. You feel broken. You feel like a failure. You feel like you can't walk through life anymore. But I want you to see how God sees you. The truth is there, there are probably dozens of things, truths that I could give you for how God sees you, but I'm only going to give you three because I think these, at least in my life, they're the most important so if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Number one, because of God's grace, because of God's healing grace, the Bible says, I'm acceptable. Because of God's healing grace, the Bible says that I am acceptable. All right, now once you have that written down in your notes, I want you to look up at me. Because when I say 
you are acceptable, I mean that you are acceptable. You are acceptable. You. Every person in this room, every person that is listening to this message, whether you're in here listening live or you're hearing it on our podcast, out on our website, because of God's grace, you are acceptable to Him. I want you to think about this. All of us in our lives have the need to feel acceptable, don't we? Don't we? I mean, it influences so much about our lives. It influences where we go to school. It influences what we wear, what we drive, where we live, how we think about ourselves, the friends that we pick. Uh, People will do the craziest things just to be accepted by their peers. Amen? Do you remember Beach Week when you graduated from high school? I do. I know that people will do crazy, stupid things just to fit in. I hadn't always been the preacher. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But being accepted by other people, it's an important driver in our lives. And it's so important because all of us know what it feels like to be rejected. All of us at some point in our lives have been rejected. So we know how it feels, whether we're the last person picked for the team or whether we're the person who's not picked at all. Some of us know about rejection from a spouse that pushed us away. We, we know about rejection because of divorce. And some of us have learned about rejection because we had a parent growing up who pushed us away. Even hearing the word rejection just brings up all sorts of bad and hard memories in our lives. Now, it's kind of hard to imagine in the politically correct 21st century that we live in today. But the lame, crippled man in our story, he was rejected by the people in his society. He was pushed away. He was even thought of to be rejected by God. See, back then, when a person was born with mental or physical disabilities, it was seen as God's punishment on those parents and even God's punishment on that person who was born with the disability. And so the people would reason, well, if God has rejected this family, if God has rejected this person, then we ought to reject them too. And so he's shunned by everyone. He's shunned by society. He's shunned even, he thinks, by God. But here's the truth of the matter from God's perspective. Psalm 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Those are nice words, aren't they? Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. I remember a a lady that used to be a member of the church that, that I served as pastor, my first church. She was telling me that one of the earliest memories that she had of her mother, and 
I, do, I don't even know that Miss May would even still be alive. She was a pretty old lady 15 or so years ago when she told me the story. She said, one of my earliest memories is of my mother getting me up early one morning. We were dressed for church, although I knew it wasn't a Sunday. And she took me to a children's home, rang the doorbell, and when the lady came to the door, my mother turned around and walked away, and I never saw her again. She didn't say good luck. She didn't say God bless you. She didn't say I love you. She just walked away. And David, a man who knew something about rejection, he said, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. This means that even if the people who are closest to you reject you and push you away, that God will pull you close to Him. Just because you're rejected by other people, just because in the eyes of other people you're not accepted, doesn't mean that you are not acceptable to God because you are. God wants to have a relationship with you. That's truth number one. I am acceptable. Here's truth number two. Because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am valuable. I am valuable. Because of God's grace, I'm valuable. I love Walmart. Hi, my name's Jimmy Britt, and I love Walmart. And you do too. If you don't, you're probably lying. Or even a Target. We got some Target. Target's fine. Target. But I like Walmart. I don't always like going into Walmart. I like Walmart because they sell cheap stuff cheap. I just seem to get more bang for my buck there. Let me, let, me, let me tell you one of the reasons I like Walmart. And there are other companies that do this too, but to me it just seems most obvious at Walmart. This past week at, at the beach, I went to Walmart twice. I mean, that doesn't say a lot for how smart I am, at least on vacation. I went to Walmart twice, and both times I was greeted by people with mental and physical disabilities. And I love that. I love that. And you can be a cynical person and say, well, yeah, they just do it because it makes them look good. I don't care why they do it. I know that they take people that on the outside looking in, it seems like they don't have value except for the people who are closest to them. And they train them to do things. And they give them a post and a paycheck to go with it. And for those people, they feel like they have value. And they do have value. Just because they're human beings, they have value. But you know what it's like if you've not had a job, you feel like you're worth less than when you have a job. And so to give these folks a job, they feel their value as well. And I love that. 
And I'll tell you this too, that is distinctly American. Because in America, we at least hold to the ideal that all people have value. And that's not true everywhere in the world. That's not true in most places in the world, even in Europe. In most places in the world, people who are not quote-unquote normal, people who have mental and physical disabilities, they are pushed aside in society. Many of them thrown to the trash. But not in America. And I love that. But it was even that way in first century Judea. He just didn't understand yet how much God loves people, all people. And so this lame man, this crippled man, was resigned in his life to sitting in a doorway begging for money as a way of surviving. Listen, there's some of you here this morning and you feel like you have no value. And you feel that way because you've been through some things in life. You've taken some bumps. You've you've been knocked around some. And listen, if we're being honest, a lot of the lumps we take in life are due to our, our, our own issues. I mean, we create a lot of our problems and then blame them on somebody else. But, but you, okay, you, you've got some lumps. You, you've, you've got some damage. But to think you're not good for anything or anyone is just, well, it's wrong. You are valuable. You're worth something. In fact, you're worth more than you realize, even if you don't see your value. Listen to me. Even if you don't see your value, God sees it. Think about it like this. The value of something is determined by two things, isn't it? Who owns it? And how much someone is willing to pay for it? I mean, you watch American Restoration, right? You watch American Pickers. You, you know that something is... Um, is valuable based on who owns it and what someone is willing to pay for it. Like a vintage Cadillac, that's a valuable item. But a vintage pink Cadillac that Elvis Presley owned, well, then that takes it to a whole other level, right? Are you tracking with me on this? You guys still with me? All right. But the caddy is still only, as, only worth as much as someone's willing to pay for it. Okay, with that in mind, I want you to listen to these three passages of Scripture. The first one is Romans 5.8. It says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then one more. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, You have been bought and paid for by Christ so you belong to Him. This is everything that you need to know about your value. God has paid a high price for us. God has paid a high price 
for you. He bought us out of sin and death, and the price He paid is His Son, Jesus. Now, as your pastor, I love you. There's not a person in this room that I don't genuinely love and care for. But listen, I don't love anybody in this room enough that I would send one of my children to their death for you. But that's exactly what our Heavenly Father, God, has done for us through His Son, Jesus. This is God's way of saying, I'd rather die than live without you. And so you may think you're worthless, but you're not. Even if the world tries to put a value and says, worthless. You're worth a great deal. In fact, Jesus says you're priceless. The Bible says that I'm acceptable and I'm valuable. But number three, because of God's grace, the Bible says that I'm forgivable. I'm forgivable. Like the man in our story who was born crippled, lame, we are all born sinners. So in a way, the crippled man represents all human beings who are sinners from birth in that we cannot walk or we cannot live in a way that pleases God. But just as God healed the crippled man through Peter, so we can be healed of our sins, of our disease through Jesus Christ. Listen, if, if, if we could look into every person here this morning to see what is really hurting us, what's really eating away at our lives, we would see that many of us are full of guilt and shame. Especially when you're our age. Because many of us, we have a track record of of hurts and failures. Yeah, we've done some good things in life, but we've done a lot of bad things. And usually it's the bad things or the hard things, the things that bring shame and guilt into our lives that are um, the ones always resurfacing in our lives. And it causes us to stay where we are. It hurts our lives. It keeps us from moving forward. Maybe you're here today and you feel like that you've done something that's so bad that you can't be forgiven of it, and that's just not true. The Bible says that you can be forgiven. Here's proof from the Bible. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, but Jimmy, you don't know what I did in high school. Jimmy, you don't know what I did in college. You don't know what I did to my children when they were small. You don't know the things that I've done in my life. And that's true. But I know what the Bible says. The Bible says if we confess our sins, if we just admit to Him our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from not some of our sins, but all of our sins, all of our unrighteousness. It's not as though God says, okay, everybody who cusses, drinks too much, and a few other things, you're in this category, I can take care of that. 
Or those of you who have committed these sins, you get in this group because you're just a little bit worse, so I can take care of these as well. But everybody who's committed these sins, well, you're just going to hell. All unrighteous. This verse means that when you say, Jesus Christ, I accept what you did for me on the cross, and I want you to be number one in my life, it means that you are covered by His love and His grace, and Jesus removes every fault, every sin. He takes away any reason that you might have for feeling guilt and shame. That's why grace is called amazing. And thank God for it. I want you to listen to me right now, whether you are a Christian or not. Jesus Christ died on the cross for every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit. He's already paid for your sins So you don't have to live one more moment in those sins or in that past dealing with that spiritual final death. When you trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, all of your sins will be wiped away. And that's why we call it healing grace. So let me ask, You want to be forgiven. Would you like to leave behind your sin and death and shame and guilt and hurt? It begins with a decision. You have to make the decision to follow Jesus. You have to let Him forgive you. I want to ask you to stand with me right now. Our worship team is coming, but I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. I don't want you to move around too much. I don't, I don't want you to take this as your opportunity to leave. This is a holy moment. I want you to give the Holy Spirit some room right now to work in your life. What's the Lord saying to you? What do you think He wants you to do? Be obedient to Him. For some of you, he's saying this morning, through the power of his Holy Spirit, 
I want you to trust me today. I want you to make a decision to follow me. A friend of mine before the service reminded me out in the lobby that we used to have this thing in the United States, well, I mean in other parts of the world too, apprenticeship. You learn a trade. You learn by doing, by spending time with someone who knows how to lay brick or pour concrete or work on computers, whatever it might be. Making the decision to follow Jesus is a lot like that. You become His apprentice. You trade your life, the one you've been living, for the one He has in mind for you. You start following Him. You start living beside Him. You start learning from Him. You act like Him. You talk like Him. You learn to think like Him. You learn to love other people like Him. And some of you are hearing that for the first time today. Because the Spirit is saying to you, I want you to follow me. I want you to be my apprentice. I want you to learn from me. I want you to give up the life you've been living. I want you to stop going in the direction you've been headed. And I want you to follow after me. In just a minute, we're going to sing a classic hymn together called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And while we sing that song together, I want you to let it become your testimony. For the first time or again, because truth be known, there are some of us here who we've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but we don't follow Him like He's our apprentice. We don't really live with Him and for Him. And so I have decided it needs to become your testimony today. Heavenly Father, thank You that You can heal broken hearts and bitter memories and a damaged self-esteem. Jesus, thank You that old patterns of life can be erased. And thank You for accepting us just as we are. Thank You for seeing our value even when we can't, even when others can't. And thank You for being willing to forgive us of our sins even though we don't deserve it. Father, thank You for Your healing grace. Now as we sing to You, Lord, Continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this song together. Jeff, you, you lead us. It's a short song. Just a few short verses. But it's a powerful song. And after we sing it together, I'm going to come back and I'm going to lead a prayer of forgiveness and dedication. Um, so you make a commitment to the Lord. Let this be your testimony. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. 
together. If you're ready to follow Jesus, then you just pray with me. You can pray this prayer out loud. You can whisper it if you'd like, or you can just say this prayer to God in your heart and mind, and he'll hear you when you pray. Just say, God, I've never understood before that you made me You love me and you value me. And for those reasons alone, and the best way I know how, Jesus asks you to come into my life to take control. And from this point forward, I'm not going to worry what other people think anymore. Instead, I'm going to focus on your truth and I'm going to live my life for you. Jesus, thank You for loving me. Thank You for forgiving me of my sins. Thank You for saving me. Jesus, it's in Your name that we pray. Amen. Listen, today, if you invited Jesus into your heart and life to be your Lord and Savior, we want to know about it. And so the way to let us know is to take your connection card and just the next, for the next moment or two, Um, If you'll just fill it out, and then somewhere on the front or the back, just write a B, B, like A, B, C, write a B on it. And then as you leave today, we'll have ushers at all the exits, and just drop that into the offering basket, and that'll let us know that you're believing in Jesus today, and we can get in touch with you this week and help you with some important next steps. So make sure that you do that, and if you're a first-time guest with us, make sure that you leave your connection card. I promise you that as a, the pastor here at Rocky River, we're not just going to drop in and visit you. We're not going to call you and hound you. We're not going to do anything like that. But uh, while you're getting to know us, it gives us the opportunity to get to know you just a little bit. So it's, it's really important. And uh, then just before we leave, I want to say thank you guys so much for your faithfulness and giving. I know we're just starting in the summer weeks, but um, your giving has just been great. And uh, that's very important because we have a lot of ministry that goes on in, uh, in the summertime. Lots of folks don't think about that because we've got vacations going on and we're going places and that sort of thing. So you're giving and being intentional about that. It really makes a difference in the summer, and we appreciate that. 
we had a, an unexpected bill come up on us this week. You know, those of you who sit back here on, on the, my right-hand side, you know that for a while now we've had a drip. And after it rains, man, we'll still see water drip there for a week or so afterward. And uh, uh, our building is not under warranty anymore. And the roofing company that put the roof on, they're out of business. So we had to have another roofing company come in and take a look at it. And uh, it seems like it's dripping up around the dormers. So they're going to go up there this week and take care of that. But it's a $600 expense that we were not expecting. So I just want to let you know, you're giving. It matters. Everything you give makes a difference. And so I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. You guys are very generous. You always are and you always have been. And so thank you for that. Been a good day to be at church? I agree. Let's give the Lord a hand. That was a very Baptist clap, by the way. I grew up Baptist, and that was very bad. There we go. That's that's more like it right there, Mac. Now, anyway, you guys have um, a great week. I love you, but more importantly, more importantly than me loving you or anybody else, God loves you. Look at me. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been doing it, no matter what's been done to you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.